Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Keith Poston. This week we have a special guest in our first interview segment, State Treasurer Dale Falwell. We're going to talk with Treasurer Falwell about state employee benefits, which of course affect teachers and all other public school employees. We're also going to talk school infrastructure needs, buildings, classrooms, both with Treasurer Falwell and representatives from the state's school boards and county commissions. Lots of big topics for the show today. Like every week before we tackle the main topic, we're going to talk open with our segment we call Headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. A resolution to the K-3 class size issue we've been covering remains elusive as the North Carolina Senate continues to challenge school districts over funding they say was provided, while district leaders call the hard caps an unfunded mandate that will result in thousands of teaching positions being eliminated, mostly PE, arts, music, and foreign language teachers. Wake County School Superintendent Jim Merrill just asked the Wake County Commission this week for an additional $56 million in local funds to cover these positions if a fix is not found in the Senate. The North Carolina House has already unanimously passed House Bill 13 to address the issue. A bill to establish a new North Carolina Teaching Fellows program sailed through two committees in both the House and Senate this past week with broad bipartisan support. The new program would focus on STEM and special education teachers. Next week on the show, we'll talk to the bill sponsors and others involved in designing this new effort to recruit teachers to North Carolina's classrooms. North Carolina's largest recipient of private school vouchers, Trinity Christian School in Fayetteville, has filed an incomplete financial review according to the agency overseeing the program. Trinity was already under the microscope after an employee was charged with embezzling more than $300,000 in taxpayer funds. Trinity Christian School received state funding under the North Carolina Opportunity Scholarship Program that uses tax dollars to pay tuition at private, mostly religious schools. Since 2014, Trinity Christian has received more than $1.2 million in taxpayer funds, more than any other school in the state. Finally, U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos was in Fayetteville this past week promoting voucher programs like the Opportunity Scholarship Program. Before coming to Fayetteville, she spoke in an event hosted by the Brookings Institution where she criticized U.S. public schools as, quote, so bad they probably can't get much worse. She cited poor schools on the National Assessment of Educational Progress test through NAEP, those scores in math for low-performing students have gone up substantially in the past few decades. She also called out the number one ranked school district in the U.S. for school choice, Denver Public Schools, for not having enough private school options. Her comments drew a sharp response from the Denver superintendent, Tom Boesberg, who said he believed public, school, public dollars should be used for public schools that are open to all kids, whether they're district-run or charter, but not vouchers that he says lack accountability. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of the headlines as well as all the other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we have a special guest with us today. We have State Treasurer Dell Falwell. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, Treasurer Falwell, you were, of course, also Assistant Secretary of Commerce. You were two years as Speaker Pro Tem in the House, and I, uh, you and I chatted before. You also served for four terms, or eight years, on the, the Winston-Salem Forsyth School Board. So you know of what you speak when it comes to school funding and education. I do. So thank you so much for being here. All right, I want to get right to it. It's mm -hmm. been in the news um, over the last couple of weeks, um, your office made some announcements related to health insurance mm -hmm. premiums going up for state employees mm -hmm. uh, and teachers. Tell me a little bit about sort of what the uh, what the announcement was and why. 
Well, thank you for having me. And uh, your viewers will remember that uh, we had a terrific state treasurer by the name of Harlan Bowles who wrote a book called The Keeper of the Public Purse. Uh, in that book, uh, Treasurer Bowles says the state treasurer has more constitutional and statutory responsibilities and duties than any other elected official in the state except for the governor. The reason I think that's important to your viewers is that next to a person's faith, their family, and their health, uh, in many instances across North Carolina, the state pension plan and the state health plan are the two most important things in their life. Right. Anytime that you're the state treasurer, it's important to really just think about yoga, and that is to <laughs> breathe and pay attention to your mat. <laughs> and our mat right now is to figure out how we're going to uh, preserve and strengthen the state health plan and the state pension plan. We have, an we have an option of speaking about these subjects emotionally mm -hmm. or politically, but I'm going to speak about them mathematically. Okay. Uh, the state health plan has a $42 billion liability. Now, that $42 billion comes from the fact that for decades, people have been eligible for health insurance benefits, both while they were active and retired, but no money was ever been put aside in reserves, unlike the pension plan, for all of those eligibility and all that, that uh, those issues regarding the state health plan. Uh, as a matter of fact, the state health plan is going to run out of reserves in about 26 to 36 months. Uh, the state health plan is going to get probably a bigger appropriation this year than the entire university system. Wow. So this has nothing to do with the fact that I'm the 28th treasurer of North Carolina, or it doesn't matter who the 28th treasurer was going to be. It has to do with mathematics. And so you're talking about the, when you see the liability, you're talking about to be able to continue to cover and provide the benefits both to uh, existing uh, state workers, but also, and we're going to get into this, yes. the uh, retiree benefits. So, so just to, for our viewers, what you what was announced that the, the state has traditionally had a, a no premium plan option, which is Correct. going away. It'll, it'll be now $25 a month. And then I guess the 80-20 plan, folks who are now, we've all learned more about insurance over the last few years than maybe sure. we ever cared to, is going to be going up uh, about tripling, I think, in costs from 15 to 50, somewhere along there. Correct. Okay. So the 70-30 plan will have a $25 per month premium. And the 80-20 option will have a $50 per month premium. But what I've told the stakeholders and the people of North Carolina is that now it becomes my job to, to make sure that those premiums do not change over the next four years. Okay. Now that's a heavy lift. Secondly, what's been happening over the years is that there's been a lot of trickery where the premiums may not have gone up or been established at all, but co-pays have gone up, co-insurance have gone up, formularies have gone up. Right. We're the largest purchaser of healthcare in North Carolina. We should be able to do it better and more efficiently on behalf of teachers, troopers, and other state employees. Yeah, I think we all, I think all of us are, have, have been through that where, again, even the premiums haven't gone up. Of course, they've all gone up both, you know, whether, depending on, no matter where you work, um, but it's that copay stuff, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and medicines that suddenly get changed from mm -hmm. a different tier and all of a sudden your out-of-pockets go way through the roof. So you're going to try have, to get a handle on that? Yeah, we have many state employees this year who have, if they choose the family premium, are going to have to work five days out of every work month to pay the family premium on the state health plan based on the entry-level job uh, salary of a trooper and a teacher. The fact is we can do it better and more efficiently. Uh, we have one of the worst records in the United States in terms of families on our state health plan. Probably less than 9% of our families are on the state health plan. Right. So what we end up with is people my age and above. So it's employee only most, so that's what the, the, yeah, the employee only is what most state employees do because from what I understand is that the family part is so 
is cost prohibitive in their view. Um, That's correct. Okay. And, and we can do that better. We can tip the balance of this plan so that we can attract younger, healthier people to the plan. And I think that puts us on the course of preserving and strengthening the state health plan. And part of the charter as the head of the state health plan is for it to be financially sustainable. But right now, there's no certainty with the General Assembly, with the taxpayers, with the teachers, with the stakeholders. We need to bring trust and certainty back to this relationship. So after this, so, so let me, okay, we're going to shift gears real quick. Um, retirees, um, mm -hmm. the, one of the things that uh, we, we often hear is people go into state government because while maybe the pay isn't what they, they might get in the private sector, there are, there's the pension and there are benefits. Uh, a lot of discussion of whether that's going to go away. You, do you see um, uh, the state walking away from a commitment on retiree health benefits and pension? Well, right now I'm dealing with the income statement, and I think you're probably what you're referring to is bills that have been filed regarding in the legislature. Right. I'm here to preserve and strengthen the defined benefit plan and the, and the defined contribution plan. And right now, preserve and strengthening it means what are we going to do to keep ourselves in business next year, the year after, the year after. Right. Now, I want to be clear that our pension plan is one of the best funded pension plans in the United States. But one reason it's one of the best funded is that we assume a rate of return in that plan that it, we had not achieved on average this century. And I think there's less than a 25% chance we're gonna achieve seven and a quarter percent for the next 15 years. So your funded level is precipitated by what rate of return you assume you're gonna earn. Right. So when you assume you're gonna earn a higher rate of return, your funded level looks really good. Right. I think our funded level is probably realistically in the mid-80s. Uh, when Harlan Bowles uh, left the Treasurer's office, it was 110% funded. Okay. So. Let me, let me show, I'm sorry, we're, we're almost out of time for your yeah. segment, but I do want to ask you as we close up, we're, we're going to be talking to our next guest about the what is uh, as an $8 billion in needs for infrastructure. Now, <laughs> that's a local responsibility, but there are some bills out there. Um, you got any thoughts in terms of things like leasing options and other ideas of how the locals are going to be able to fund that kind of uh, an amount? And does the state have a role? Uh, well, my thoughts haven't changed, and that's sort of what happens sometimes is that you have candidates who say one thing, and then when they get into office, they do something else. We have to find long-term solutions to constructing public schools in North Carolina, especially in our rural areas, many of whom uh, of those areas are depopulating. And that's what I've told to all the stakeholders along the lines of this subject. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the fact is, is it is it, it's important that we don't do a patch quilt system where we're doing something in this part of the state and something else in this part of the state. Yeah, that makes it. I'm sorry, but we are out of time. We need, we need to bring you back. We've got so much more to talk about. But I got, we're I gonna got have, so many more props. I know. You've got you, you, the most well-prepared guest we've ever had. So thank you very much. Appreciate you being here. Yeah. Before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. When the North Carolina lottery began in 2006, 40% of the proceeds were dedicated to local school construction needs. What percentage of lottery proceeds go to school construction today? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer A, 15%? That's right, since 2012, the General Assembly has allocated a lump sum of $100 million annually to North Carolina's public schools to help with infrastructure needs, a percentage equal to roughly 15% of the lottery proceeds 
or less than one half of what would have been distributed under the original law that was set up for the, uh, for the education lottery. We're going to talk further about school infrastructure needs across the state with the representatives of two groups who are grappling hands-on and how to find solutions to this. We have Leanne Winter, she is the Director of Government Relations for the North Carolina School Boards Association, and we have Kevin Leonard, Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. All right, well, first of all, when it, this is a top priority. I know for both of your organizations, you represent well. The school boards have to, I mean, they're the ones responsible for the local school systems and making sure they have what they need. County commissioners, by and large, are the ones who are having to find the money, right? So, so it's a big priority for you. This eight, about eight billion dollars. Tell me, sort of, you know, you know, what is the association? Why are you prioritizing it to the, this year? Well, traditionally, the state has given money, a substantial amount of money, for school construction every ten years. It's been about twenty years now since the last big bond issue, which was 1996. Right. And so we've been working on a package. Um, that includes some infusion of dollars through a significant bond issue and then some long-term solutions. So hopefully we will not get back in the same situation. And again. that's what the Treasurer just was, I mean, at the end, he really sort of said we really need something that's more sustainable, more long-term. I mean, I, what your thoughts on, I mean, how do we get $8 billion? I mean, are we $8 billion behind? I mean, is it, do we, did we so, not do something we should have been doing? No, we've been trying to tackle the problem all along, but it, it is a growing uh, issue over time. So we represent all 100 counties and our county commissioners across the state have asked us to make this our top priority, just like the School Boards Association, because we're on the edge of a crisis of school construction. And what we're trying to do, and the story we're trying to tell, is we have to reestablish, reconnect this partnership between the state government and our county governments and our school boards across the state to tackle uh, this problem. I think it's a, it's a multi-faceted uh, approach. Lottery funds are a significant part of that, but a bond a school bond, which hasn't happened in 20 years, we have to revisit that that conversation again. Well, the we're, and we're going to pull up on the screen while we're talking. There's some a couple of charts that show what the needs are. I mean, but we're what we're talking about on the screen. You've got uh, renovations, you've got new buildings, new classrooms. There's lots of lots of different needs. It's, I mean, are we at, we're at a critical point, Leanne. Is that right? We are at a critical point. Um, we've got counties who just don't have the ability to raise the revenue to replace buildings that are 50 plus years old. We have urban communities that are growing um, substantially and thus need to put new buildings right. online and don't have um, the tax base to be able to support the growth that is happening in their communities. Right, and Kevin, you know this, I mean, but our, our organization, the Public School Farm, we've tracked the issues of like local school finance and we know that a lot of counties just don't have the revenue base even though they may tax at a higher rate than a county like a Wake or Mecklenburg, they just can't raise the kind of funds that the capital needs are, right? Correct. That's absolutely correct. Leanne's right is, and that's, I think, highlights why we have to uh, approach this from different angles. So the, uh, a bond targeted to certain counties, to all, all counties at different levels. Uh, we also are advocating for uh, sales tax flexibility. There are various sales tax articles that already exist that we could change that would help um, maybe some of those counties that are dealing with, uh, they can't keep up with the need because the students are coming in so fast. Whereas the lottery dollars, which uh, there's a bill in the Senate sponsored by Senator Harry Brown mm -hmm. that would target tier one and tier two counties and we could tackle those problems. And as he has said, if you tackle that problem in one of those counties, you've solved that problem for maybe 50, 50 years because right. you've solved that issue. 
but these other places need that flexibility. Uh, those other larger growing counties need that flexibility as well. So, Liam, so what are, you, so what are, what are the school boards uh, uh, telling you? Um, what are they, a, a bond? That's something that I think is sort of a, a big infusion. I think uh, there's been some discussion about, about a $2 billion approximately bond issue. Uh, 1.9. Okay. Um, they're very supportive of that. They really want a package. They want that infusion now um, so that they can go ahead and kind of kickstart um, the construction statewide and then to make sure that we've got these solutions like the sales tax um, additional lottery proceeds to make sure that going forward once we get through the expenditure of the bond um, funds that we would be able to sustain the progress that we have made and not end up back in this situation again. Now there's been some other proposals. I know there's at least one one bill that was filed last year and another one I think that's floating around around um, sounds like it's a lease basically it's a, it's a way to maybe get some money in uh, through some longer-term leases. Is that something that your organizations have looked at? Do you think it's a good idea to sort of get into this notion of leasing? We, we, have, we have looked at that bill. Uh, we have some concerns on the length of term of that lease, and so we're working with the bill sponsors and the folks who are the stakeholders in that to talk about that. If I may go back to the sales tax piece sure. just a bit, because I want to be very clear about that, that we're not talking about new taxing authority here. This is sales tax that are already on the books. The authority already exists there, and um, I just think it's important to highlight that, that what we're advocating for is not increasing a new tax on that. It's taking that existing authority and broadening out the purpose of it and giving that flexibility to the county to say we're going to target this tax towards public education uh, or public school construction. Right. So I think it's an important thing to mention. Now you, you, you mentioned about the, the, the growth. I mean there's some demographic changes and sort of population trends that are kind of driving this too, right? And in terms of um, when, 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 when um, students come in. So how does that affect the, the facility needs? Well, I think this goes back to, and I'd be interested to hear from Leanne on the same point, that it goes back to us for, we, we represent all the counties in the state, and they all have in, uh, different challenges. You have a, a smaller county who may be losing population. They need to repair what they have or build that one high school that they need and consolidate that, that school they're facing. Those are tough challenges for those communities to do that. But they need the partnership between the state and the county government, which by the way, counties are putting into operational spending to the tune of around uh, $2.6 billion around right. that uh, each year. So there's this partnership. So they've got to weigh both of those things. Well, believe it or not, we're already out of time. This is, um, this is, this is, we need a whole show on this, right? We, we're, yes, we're, absolutely. We're gonna, we'll have you come back so we can talk a little bit more about it because there's a lot of the, the long-term uh, discussion needs to happen, and it's something that's something we're not going to fix this session, but we can get a good start on it. So, but thank you both for joining us here today, and we'll, we'll continue this conversation on another show. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Rebecca Foote, principal of Bug Elementary in Raleigh. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the NC STEM Center, strategies that engage minds. Bug is an amazing school, and we have almost 500 students from the local community. Some of them live very close to the school, some are magnet students, but all of them are very precious to us, and for every one of them, we want to provide a personalized education. 
By being a magnet school, we have an influx of resources, we have ties to the community, we personalize their learning so that they can demonstrate their learning, and they can really get excited. For many years, we've been a creative arts and sciences school, and with that theme, we've been able to really focus on the multiple intelligences of our children. We have students that are great writers, great speakers. We have students that can dance, can sing, so what we do here at Bug is we allow students to, to shine in their, their way. Every student is different. We treat them as individuals. We look at each child in order, order to determine what they need. We have the fabulous opportunity to change our magnet theme. We are very excited that we'll be the Center for Design and Computer Science next year. It's a very innovative, very forward-thinking, just very relevant for our students in 2017. And they're going to have not only the rigorous thinking ability, but tremendous communication skills and technology skill. All children have, will have the opportunity to be involved in coding and um, robotics. We'll have innovation labs so that We'll have the very best technology with 3D printers and other resources, maker spaces, and ways for kids to really be on the cutting edge. The world is changing. In 2017, they need different skills than what they needed several years ago. So it's not about what the students can memorize and know, but it's how they can access information, how they can share it, how they can work with one another, and truly how they can be adaptable because their world will be changing, not only in the next few years but as they become adults and and face the world if you need to know someone who deserves to be recognized visit our website ncforum.org and click on education matters and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community after the break this week's final word We covered two topics affecting public education in North Carolina, state employee benefits and the need to invest in school infrastructure. On school infrastructure, it's been more than 20 years since we had a statewide bond for school construction. While local county governments are primarily responsible by law to pay for the facilities and the state primarily funds personnel, those lines have definitely blurred over the last 20 years. In 2014-2015, counties spent $2.7 billion to fund instructional expenses, accounting for about 26% of the combined federal, state, and local total. School districts need state help to meet the now $8 billion in needed infrastructure investments, and two proposals seem like sensible paths forward. One is to restore the original intent of the North Carolina Education Lottery to help counties pay for buildings. Today, the lottery provides less than half the percentage of funds it was originally intended to provide. The other is a solid proposal is a new statewide bond initiative that could raise just under $1.9 billion for schools, providing a much needed cash infusion in a cost effective and reliable way. Other options on the table may be well intended, but they certainly don't provide a, uh, the kind of certainty that a bond brings like the proposed leasing options that could put school systems long term financial health at risk because they are too expensive and often overburden counties with debt banking on growth that may not come. The other big issue we discussed was the recent announcement of increased health insurance premiums for state workers and a proposal in the Senate to eliminate retiree health coverage and pensions for new state hires. State workers have already been paying more out of pocket for their in deductibles and co-pays. Now premiums are rising too at a time when teachers and principal pay are still lagging nationally and regionally. Even more concerning is a new proposal in the Senate that new state workers would not be eligible for enrollment in the state health insurance plan when they retire, and most of those new workers would not be eligible for state pensions either. 
at a time when we are struggling to recruit and hire teachers, taking away two of the tangible perks of state employment, retiree health care benefits and pensions, seems very misguided to us. That's it for this week on Education Matters. Next week, we're going to talk about new efforts to reestablish a North Carolina Teaching Fellows program. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you next week.